Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 611 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today on Your Favorite Podcast, I'll be speaking with Nancy, who was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 73. Nancy is now 75, and she's coming on the show to tell us her story. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Are you looking for a simple and easy way to help people with type 1 diabetes? Well, if you are, you're in luck. By going to the T1D Exchange and filling out their survey, you'll be helping people with type 1. Now, you have to be a U.S. resident who is either a type 1 or the caregiver of a type 1. But after that, go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Fill out the survey. Does not take long at all. It's easy to do from your sofa, you know, your cell phone, your tablet. Very, very easy. And every time that someone completes the survey, not only does it help people with type 1 diabetes, but it helps the Juice Box podcast. T1DExchange.org forward slash Juice Box. This episode of the Juice Box podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Use the blood glucose meter that my daughter does. Contour Next One. Find out more at ContourNext.com. Dot com forward slash juice box. My name is Nancy and I'm a, I'm the, I know the, the reason I contacted you was because I was diagnosed so late in life. I was 73 when I was diagnosed. So I'm Nancy and I'm a diabetic. Nancy, are you aging backwards? Because unfairly I can see Nancy and she can't see me, but you're not over 73, right? Oh, I'm almost 75. Wow. Good for you. But thank you. And I, you know, and that kind of works in my, uh, on my behalf at this point in my life. You, you <laughs> yeah, feel, do you, you feel younger or do you just, are you just lucky and you look young? Interesting question. I think I, I feel fairly young. Um, just for background, my parents are both still living 101 and 102. Wow. So, yeah. So, you know, I thought that was kind of, that's kind of interesting. And <clears throat> I'm the first one, you know, like in my immediate family with, with diabetes. Um, so they're, you know, generally healthy, no heart problems, yeah. no chronic illnesses. Your brothers you know, and sisters? Doing the same. I mean, they're, <clears throat> we all, <clears throat> excuse me, fine. we've all had cancer except my sister. Okay. So that was kind of an interesting, and, and there's a reason I brought that up, but that's kind of an interesting fact, which I never even considered. You know, I never even thought about it, but I was diagnosed with melanoma about, about five years ago mm-hmm. and it metastasized and I had immunotherapy treatments, which I never had a day of tiredness or anything. I mean, I felt good the whole time. And even actually thought or wondered, you know, is this just a farce? What's going on with me? But I've had side effects from the immunotherapy. So that's where I got the diabetes. Oh, okay. Hold on a second. All right. This will be fun. There's plenty to pick through here. So you have a mother and a father who are 
like a thousand years old and they're still alive. And how many brothers and sisters? I have a brother and a sister. Okay. So there's three of you. Each of the five of you have had cancer. Except my sister. Except your sister. Yes. Different kinds of cancer? Yes. Yes. Breast cancer, prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and metastatic melanoma. Wow. Which one did your father have? Uh, prostate. And he's doing well. And he's okay. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know what to say and not say, but it's kind of like he says, you know, there's a certain point when you wonder why you're still here. (laughs) (laughs) And that was probably about four years ago, four or five years ago that he said that. Tell me again how old he is. 102. Wow. No kidding. Yeah. I guess when you're, I just turned 50 yesterday and, uh, Happy birthday. Thank you very much. And I was uh, laying in bed at the end of my uh, my 50th birthday, feeling a little sad about being 50. And I said to my wife, the strangest thing is, is that here in the dark with my eyes closed, I can't tell how old I am. Y- you know, like, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I said, I'll get up and look in a mirror and I won't look the way I remembered. Or, you know, I'll, I'll, my son will ask me to throw with him and my shoulder won't handle it for more than like 20 minutes or so. And, you know, that kind of stuff then, um, you know, gives you more of a perspective of where you're at. But you always think like, oh, I'm 50. I have so much time left. But I wonder what the difference is between time and really usable time, like any way you want to use it time. Um, mm-hmm. And that's probably probably how your dad feels a little bit like, yeah, I'm here, but, you know. Mm-hmm. There's stuff I want to do and I can't do it anymore. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, all right. So, exactly. You know, can I, can I please. pivot off that for a second? Because yeah, I when I, when I was diagnosed with um, melanoma and, you know, I'm sure everybody goes through this when you have a, you know, a death threat, so to speak, I really did soul search, you know, some soul searching and looked at my life and I had done a lot of things. In fact, at the end of the treatment and everything, I had done a lot of my bucket list and a lot of things that I had wanted to do. And I started thinking, okay, now what, mm-hmm. you know, now what, well, the now what was diabetes, but irregardless of that, it, it totally changed the way I look at life. And, and in a way, I mean, I'm all, I I'm old, you know, in a way I'm old. I mean, a lot of things that I didn't do as a younger person, I don't know that I could, would, or should do them now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, kind of, I did a lot of reflecting on that and looking mm-hmm. at it. And, you know, you do at a certain point, you you go, oh, shoot, I can't go back to high school. Right. Or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. How, um, I'm going to get back to that later, but how old were you when you found out you had cancer? I think I was Sixty-nine. Okay, and then, I think I was one month away from my seventy seventieth birthday. Yeah. At seventy years old, you just think I beat it. Like nothing's going to happen. Like what the thing that happens next is is how I die. Do you start having thoughts like that? I never had those thoughts. Not like I that. Ne- actually, the crazy thing is, I never even had a thought that I would have cancer. Mm-hmm. I mean, the same thing with diabetes. I never, it never entered my mind. Yeah. Well, how long did the treatment for the cancer take? I had a supposedly preventative measure 
um, at the end of the first, well, no, let's see, at the end of the second year. So I didn't, it didn't go anywhere after that, you know, for a while. And then five months later, it metastasized. Okay. And so those four treatments really didn't help, you know, apparently, or maybe they did, who knows. But anyway, and then I had, I didn't have a lot of treatments. I was trying to think that, think that through. It's funny how I kind of forget things when, when they're behind me, but I know I had four treatments of the same immunotherapy that I had before mixed with another one. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I had the other one, I think once a month for the rest of that year. So I think, I think the treatment was about one year. Are you, and, and how do you think of yourself now in relationship to cancer? I don't, I never, I never saw it as a fight. Okay. I saw it as something that I, you know, maybe, maybe I didn't know. I don't know if I did something to do, to do with it along, you know, getting it or not. I don't know that, but, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not like the pink ribbon person that runs around and says, you know, I don't know. It's just something that happened. Yeah. It's just something that happened. I dealt, I dealt with it. And, you know, and my whole family is kind of that way. I mean, they never really talked about their cancer as much as I talked about my cancer. Gotcha. Well, okay. So are you in remission now? Like how do they categorize it? I'm not sure if I am, but I think this next appointment or shortly He's going to let me go because I, I still see my doctor, the oncologist, every three months. Okay. Now I only see the dermatologist every six months. Gotcha. You know, I stopped seeing the surgeon a year and a half ago. I see. You know, so I think, um, yeah, I think, I don't know. You know, he said, if you get it again, the treatment will probably work again. And that's why they wanted to stop it as soon as they did. But hmm. yeah. So what about... So when do you get diabetes in this whole mess? <laughs> Is it okay, like so, during yeah, the cancer? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. So it, it was afterwards. I mean, I've been reading some articles just recently about it, and a lot of people get it right during their treatment. Hmm. But my treatment was pretty short, a year. And then I believe it was, because I got it in 2019 at the October. So it might have been three years after the melanoma. So maybe a year after the treatments stopped. And then what was your first um, indication of the diabetes? Oh, thank you, cancer, right? (laughs) I I was getting um, CT scans every three months. Okay. And so I went to get a CT scan and my blood sugar, because I always sit to have to take your blood sugar, which I didn't even remember it being taken before, but apparently they always take it. And she said, um, are you diabetic? And I go, no, I don't think so. And she said, well, your blood sugar is 298. Hmm. And I just about dropped because yeah. 15 years before, actually 14 years before my son had been diagnosed with type one diabetes at what age he was 35 okay 
And his was not as easy as mine. You know, mine was just kind of like, okay, it's 298. I go home, call my doctor. I, I have a, I have Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. So I've been seeing an endocrinologist every six months anyway. So I go home, call her, tell her what's going on. She, you know, suggests I go get a glucometer and um, start testing my blood sugar. And then I start watching videos and I went back two days later and my blood sugar was 202, I think. She said, I'm sorry, we can't do the test today. And I go, well, gosh, you know, sunken in the, in the seat thinking, oh my gosh, do I really have diabetes? And then she said, you know, would you like me to take it again? And I said, yeah, that's a good idea. Take it again. I mean, it didn't even enter my mind that she could take it again. Mm-hmm. That might be different, but she took it again and it was 198. And so they did the test. They just didn't want to take it over 200. Yes. Oh, Jesus, that's ridiculous. Um, those, those meters can be off by as much as like 15%, some of them. I <laughs> so, know. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, hey, give me this real quick. Uh, your son, late in life baby, oops, baby, second marriage baby. Were you just waited till you had old, till you were older to have kids? What was the thing? There? He, yeah. I mean, we were young when we had kids. My, my uh, daughter was you know, I'm 21 years older than her and 24 older, you know, 24 years older than my son. Mm-hmm. So it was just, you know, at in those years in my life, you just do what the next thing is to do. And that was have kids. Ah. So so you went to school and then you found a guy and you're like, well, it's time to make a baby and find a place to live. Well, yeah. what? I went to school. I think the guy found me uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I quit school so he could finish school. Uh, yeah. Boys. So it took me a long, long time to go, you know, get back to school. And did you go back? eventually? I eventually got a, a degree in accounting when I was like 38 oh. and then we got divorced. And then I got my master's in social work when I was 50 seven (laughs) and worked yeah worked for 10 years and then just retired you know a couple few years ago good for you that's pretty cool okay so your so your son has had type 1 diabetes for a while but as an adult so what do you really know about it before you You know what exactly that that was shocking to me because he was 35 at the time and so he was an adult and he happened to be living with me at the time. Okay. So um, just going through the experience with him was just horrible. And then, um, you know, kind of watching him. I, I, I mean, he, he's amazing in a way because he never even gave himself a shot when he was in the hospital and he was there for 29 days, 27 days, I think, 27 days. I mean, in retrospect, I say, how did you get away with that? He said, well, every time they'd come in and want to teach me, I'd let them teach me, but I would never do it. I go, okay, whatever. How, wait, how so many, when he, tell, <laughs> tell me a second. How many years ago was he diagnosed? 15? 15 years, yes. And he, got, he was in the hospital for a month? He was in the hospital for a month. I mean, he was dead almost. Oh, okay, oh, okay. I think he was. Yeah, he was dead. He was on life support 
for about three days. He was on dialysis. He was on what else do you have? You know, he was on a breathing machine, a ventilator. Oh yeah. Wow. He yeah. he really almost died from it then. They how did yes. how, is that how they caught it? Because he fell over? No. No. He no. I mean it was like he went he went to a doctor fine. I mean, he never he didn't have insurance or anything. So he um he you know, he had told me for not very long, a little while, short while, like couple days you know he had a stomach stomach was bothering him and it had been bothering him and he was going to finally go to the doctor so I go okay you know so he goes to the doctor I, I think it was on a Thursday and um calls me and I'm at work and he says mom the doctor just gave me some insulin and I'm I need to go to the hospital hmm. and I'm thinking what this is weird you know what's going on? So I, I said, just, I'll come and get you and I'll drive you to the hospital. He said, I, I think I can make it. It's only, you know, a couple blocks away. I go, no, just wait. So I was like 20 minutes away. <laughs> I flew out of there, went over and picked him up and, you know, couldn't find him. I didn't know where he was, but anyway, I eventually found him and we drove to the hospital, which was further than I thought. And as he was walking in the hospital door, and I was parking the car. I saw him and he was just dragging. I mean, you've probably seen that before, just dragging their foot one after the other, mm -hmm. you know, and skinny. I mean, he, he was probably 175 and went down to 140, I think. Okay. But we didn't notice it. I, you know, I remember telling him a, a few days before, gosh, you look so good. I mean, <laughs> you know, cause he was really thin. He looked really, really good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So then he, you know, he went in the hospital and I, I parked the car and went in with him and then they took him back almost, you know, pretty immediately. And I didn't know what to do. And he was 35 and he, you know, he'd never been in the hospital before. So I kind of stood around for a while and then thought, you know what, I don't, I can't go in with him at this point. And so I went home and he never called me. And I was like, normally he would call me, you know, and I was like, Oh my gosh. Oh, well my parent, you know, my family is no news is good news. So don't worry about it. He's probably fine. Um, and then finally the next day he hadn't called me yet. And I was like, what? So I finally called around noon and the nurse answers the phone and she goes, you know, I go, how's my son? And she goes, oh, he's, you know, he's doing, he's very sick. Mm -hmm. She goes, he's very sick, but he's in good care. I go, well, should I come over there? You know, I mean, he's a 35 year old man. You know, why hadn't he called me? I didn't know. I was totally confused. Yeah. Um, and she goes, no, you don't No, Just finish your work and do what you need to do. And then, you know, when you, he'll be fine. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. But I, when we hung up, I was like, no, something, uh-uh, this is, uh-uh. So I grabbed everything and ran over there to the hospital and I ran in there and he was just laying there by him, by himself alone you know, with this nurse that he told me she's so mean, you know, she, whatever she does, you know, and she's just, you know, if I don't need something, she grabs it away from me. And, you know, she, he said, I'm so glad you're here. 
I go, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I'm here too. Yeah, that's insane. Oh my gosh. Do you know what his blood sugar was when they took him in? He was 500 and something. Wow. 545. And I don't know what his A1C was at that time. You know, we've never really looked at the records, but yeah. And then he was kind of hallucinating that night and, you know, it was pretty horrible. No kidding. I'm sorry. Now, at what point do you, do you start making the like connection that his, because you told me in your note that he had a cousin who was type one since a little kid. Did that take a while to put those two things together? A long while. I never even thought about it until probably maybe even years later, Hmm. you know, or if I did, it, it wasn't prominent in my mind, you know, because I know when, when they've gotten together and they, they get together very seldom because he lives, you know, she lives one place, we live somewhere else. So we Mm -hmm. don't really see him that often, but there's been a couple of times then, yeah, they're like sister brother, you know, Mm -hmm. they're hooked into each other and talking, talking, talking. And I thought, Oh, that's good. You know, he has someone else to talk to about diabetes diabetes too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now he's got you. So, uh, so when you're, when you're diagnosed at your age and you're, a, you know, you, you seem like you're in a, uh, in shape fit person, like, do they look at you and what do they tell you when you, when they realize your blood sugar is that high? What was, what was the, what was the call after they finally ran the test? When they ran the test and saw the C peptide and everything, um, she came in to me and she said, you know, and I'm trying to think exactly how it went, but you know, she said, yep, you're type one. We're not sure if you're, you know, it could be what's and then she explained what LADA was mm-hmm. and type 1.5. And I, you know, of course I don't, I still don't know that much about it, but I just figure it's type one. I'm insulin dependent. That's how I explain it. And, um, they did the test for the C peptide and the antibodies, you know, about a week later and I had no antibodies and she said, you know, I think you're, I think this is from the immunotherapy. And so when I went to the doctor, the oncologist, I, I asked him, you know, I said, you know, I, I now have diabetes. Um, And I think it's, I mean, do you think it could possibly be from the immunotherapy? And he said, no, no way. It's genetic predisposition. I go, okay. I go back to my doctor and she says, no, we're, you know, we think it's the immunotherapy, but don't argue about it. So that was like, what, almost two years ago. Mm -hmm. And I just recently have found a couple of articles connecting the two. Because I just, you know, that was another reason why I kind of wanted to be on the program was because it's so unique. And yet I'm sure there's other people out there that are, you know, around my age that have had immunotherapy or are going to, and maybe they're going to fall into this very small percentage. Maybe it's 0.05. I mean, it could be really tiny of people that could end up with diabetes. Well, so I wonder if it, if both of those doctors aren't right. Um, Meaning that, I mean, if your son has type one, his cousin has type one and your note says that once you were diagnosed, your mother started telling you that, that your grandmother had type one diabetes in the twenties. Is that all right? Is that right? Yeah. Or maybe type two maybe because she, she would sure. measure her food, but I, I don't know how she could have lived that long. She was, you know, my mom was five years old. So her grandmother was probably at least 
close to 50, right? Okay. And insulin was only discovered in 1919, the year my mom was born. Right. So I think it had to be type 2, which the other crazy thing, since you brought that up, was that I was type borderline. I've been borderline diabetic for at least 15 years. And I always managed it with um, exercise and diet. Mm -hmm. You know, I would go to the doctor and I, you know, uh oh, you're getting closer to 6.5, you know, and I'd go home and exercise or, you know, cut out the junk food that I was eating. And it would always drop down. I mean, it was, you know, it always go down in that range. That is interesting. So you're trending towards type two, but then you get this immunotherapy and then boom, type one. And your son has type one. His cousin has type one. We're not sure about the grandmother. So, I mean, could you have been living your whole life with the markers for type one diabetes and it took this therapy and cancer to kind of throw your immune system out of whack and kind of your body takes, uh, takes a shot at itself instead of the illness. Right. And you get diabetes like that's completely possible. I don't know that you're ever going to really know. I don't, I, I mean, listen, I'm not a scientist, but I don't think there's something that exists that we just give people and they magically get diabetes. I think you have the markers for it and something kind of pushes you over the edge. Um, but it's fascinating that you made it this long without, had you not been very sick throughout your entire life? Uh, uh-uh. you know, the one thing that when I go to these health, you know, special, uh, natural path or whatever, mm-hmm. the one thing I had, which they always bring up is a mononucleosis as a, you know, in high school yeah. and I have the Epstein bar. Okay. So. I haven't pursued what that actually means, but I think that is more related to the cancer. But I'm also wondering if it might might be related to autoimmune. I, I don't know. Does it does it fill your thoughts? Do you do you feel like you need to try to figure it out or do you not think about it too often? I don't think about it as much as I used to, but I I did write to these um, two research guys this a week about, you know, are there, what are the markers if, if it's genetic, because I don't have the antibodies. Mm-hmm. Well, at least three of them I don't have. So I, I'm not sure about the others, but I have Hashimoto's, right. you know, I have from the cancer treatments, I have something called vitiligo. So my skin is all different color, you know, mm-hmm. all different colors. Um, so I'm really concerned about anything to do with my immune system because it obviously acts in a strange way well i'm testing my memory here but so first of all the the one i definitely know for certain is hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease type one type one's autoimmune i think vitiligo is too i'm looking right now. yes it is it is is. right so you just have so i guess nancy there's two ways to think about this how long how long have you been fighting with the hashimoto's has that been lifelong or I at 50, I figured out that I had it, or my doctor figured okay. out that I had it when did, I was 50. Did you so struggle, 25 years. Did you struggle prior to that? Were you tired? Struggle with just your weight? tired. Yeah. Just tired. Yeah. Okay. So do you feel less tired now that you take your, I guess, Synthroid or whatever you're taking? Probably. Yeah. You know, if I skip it, I, I can sometimes, you know, a few days later, I might notice, oh, shoot, 
I, you know, taking that medication, forgetting it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I've never had, you know, I mean, because I I listen to your podcast a lot, and I I listened especially to the autoimmune stuff and the doc, you know, your doctor and all that stuff, and and I don't have any of the I've never had, or else I don't notice, you know, the typical symptoms of like a really bad thyroid, right? Even though even though mine is sponge now, you know, the last time they looked at it with a ultrasound he said oh yeah it's spongy you know i don't think it's doing any good for you at all probably not doing anything for you yeah, yeah great you great. should just say great you. my pancreas isn't helping much either <laughs> so yeah, exactly what else can go wrong yeah delightful <laughs> but 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 the reason i bring it up is i guess there's different ways to look at this like when you're describing this there's part of me that thinks you made it pretty far without all this stuff happening it's kind right. of Nice. I know that's a weird way to think of it, maybe, but you could have gotten diabetes when you were 20 or, you know what I mean? Your your thyroid could be really screwing with you or something like that. Like, it's not that I'm saying that your life is less valuable in your 70s. I'm certainly not saying that. But I would, from the outsider's perspective, I would think, well, wow, at least it waited this long. Like, now to you, it doesn't matter. It's your life and it sucks, I imagine. No, I no, I I agree with you. Do you? I, I to- yeah, I totally agree with you. The only thing is that as an older per, you know, I'm 75. I mean, a lot of people don't even live to be 75. And I think about the poor people that whose mind isn't as alert as mine used to be before I got overwhelmed with all this stuff, but you know, if to learn what there is to know about diabetes to manage it in a good manner takes a lot of effort, you know, it takes a lot of effort. Yeah. And I, you know, that was, I really, you know, I was really grateful that, you know, but it seems like my brain is kind of losing it lately, but whatever, you know, but yeah. So I, I agree with you, you know, I think I went this far, but you know, to have to learn so much i mean look at you have over 500 podcasts right i mean it's a lot (laughs) and and i i listen there's there can be no doubt like my mom's 78 and you know the things that she can talk about quickly and sharply go away a little by little over the last yeah yeah you know the last number of years um politics still though she's like rock solid her thoughts about politics are like that's the one thing she's retained and she can sit and boom, boom, boom. But sometimes you start talking about things and she sort of doesn't see the through lines sometimes right away, or you have to explain something once or twice. And she's like, Oh, I see what you're saying. Or she'll forget. And I don't know what she would do if she had a serious illness where she had to control a medication like insulin. Mm -hmm. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the other day I had someone asked, someone asked my wife heard about that knew about the podcast, you know, what do you do if your vision's not so good? What do you do if your dexterity goes away? Like, you know, how do you use these this technology if you can't you can't manage it with your hands? And I mm-hmm. would imagine all that stuff is right in the front of your mind now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I really love about you, but that I see sometimes slips away from me, is common sense. Mm. You know, it's just. But I'll tell you, like your your mother loves politics. Well, guess what? I love diabetes. 
<laughs> because it has changed my life. And I, I kind of mean it in a tongue-in-cheek kind of way, you know, but thank God for the COVID because everybody was home and so was I, you know, and I learned a lot, learned a lot. Okay. So, yeah, I, it in some way, you know, it's given me a new, uh, you know, I, I said this somewhere, you know, it's given me a new um, focus on my life, one that I never thought I'd have, Sure. you know, but also one that I, you know, it's, it's good. I'm eating so much better than I ever have before in my life. I, you know, I, the doc, you know, some of my doctors are seeing a change in, you know, my makeup, my, you know, and, and all that is because of diabetes. So, yeah. So this time, this COVID time gave you the kind of the, the pause to be able to really think about this whole thing and try to put it into perspective and put ideas into practice. Right. Yeah. Um, what did you just say that I wanted to follow up on? Um, darn, darn, darn. Oh, common sense. Can you give me some examples of how you feel that sometimes it's not there for you when you need it? You know, speaking of common sense, common sense might tell you that when you get type 1 diabetes or you start using insulin, that your doctor would give you the best blood glucose meter that was available. But that's not how that works at all. What happens is the doctor gives you the meter that they know about or the one that the practice prescribes or or maybe they're in a rut and they've just been prescribing the same meter for so long that they haven't stopped to think that newer, better meters exist. I've thought about that and I found one for my daughter. And then after that, I was able to talk them into becoming advertisers on the podcast. So I'd like to tell you today about the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. It is a very simple device. It is easy to carry. It has a super bright light, an easy to read screen, and second chance test strips. But most importantly, what the Contour Next One blood glucose meter is, it's accurate. You're over there trying as hard as you can, making decisions with insulin and carbs. And the very least that you could expect while you're making those decisions is an accurate response from your blood glucose meter. The Contour Next One is that meter. It is the most accurate and easy to use meter that I've ever held. And I know in a world where people have glucose monitors now and you know using Dexcom and Libre or whatever you got there, you think I don't need a meter, but first of all, yes you do. And secondly, you're gonna use one once in a while, even if you don't use it that often. And again, you should be expecting accurate results. The Contour Next One blood glucose meter is easy to carry fits in your pocket or the bag that you put your diabetes supplies in, and it has a super bright light for nighttime viewing. The screen's absolutely legible, block letters. I can see it every, I never once look at it and think, what does that say? Nobody got fancy with the font or anything like that. It's simple to see and interpret. And the test strips, if you get a little blood on, but not enough, and you go back to get more, those test strips support second chance testing. So no more error codes or the strip just failing. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. This thing's not expensive. It actually could be less in cash than you're paying right now through your insurance company for the meter you have now. Isn't that crazy? You may be paying more now for a substandard meter than you would for the Contour Next one. 
Just take a few minutes to find out. You deserve it. It's easy to accomplish. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. What I believe is that common sense is kind of a spiritual quality. You know, it kind of it kind of surfaces if we allow it. But I think sometimes when we get um, anxious or, you know, wound up or have a low like I had last night that won't go away. And you're thinking, what the heck? I only took three units. I had 105 carbs. This doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm eating and eating and eating. And of course, then, you know, last night I was (laughs) right. But, you know, when you're 40 and it's still sitting there. But, you know, so you don't have, you know, it's hard to sit there and wait. You know, common sense says just eat. wait another few minutes and it'll start going up. But, yeah. But you eat yeah, because it's, fr- it's, fr- is it, are you, do you live by yourself? I live by myself. Yes. Is it a fear? Yes. Is it just like, what, what drives that then? I mean, the 40, the 40 does that, but, you know, the 60 doesn't do it so much but when i it's 60 and going down and then 50 and going down yeah and i think it's i mean i don't think i would pass out but i'm alone yeah you know i'm alone i mean my daughter lives not that far but right now she's in new york so she's not she's not across the street yeah she's not across the street and i you know i'll take her off of my follow app continually because she'll call me and I'm just sitting there eating, you know, so there's no reason for her to call. Me. So if, if I can see it going down, you know, sometimes I'll take her, take her off of it. But <laughs> Nancy, you're telling me that the exact thing, this thing is made for when you need it the most, you're taking it away so that you won't. All right. So I want to know why to not bother her or to not feel yes, like you're to being not watched. bother her like 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, Nancy. you know, she has to work the next day. And I know that I'm going to come back up at 40. No, I mean, then I'm, I'm okay. If someone calls me, <laughs> but at 65, no, I'm not okay. If someone calls me oh, and man. I think hers is, I think hers is set at 55, but I rarely, I rarely get to 55, mm-hmm. but you know, occasionally, like, I don't know what happened last night where I only gave myself three units. So when it happens, you know? let her get woken up. It's fine. She wants to do that. You, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tell you, I, it's funny. This has never happened to me before while I'm making this podcast, but I just had a feeling of like, you just said something that mimics a conversation I have to have with my mother all the time. And it's frustrating. I almost found myself getting frustrated at you when you said it, which is we, people want to help. You're not taking advantage of them. They're, you're not um, wasting their time or bothering them. That you know, your daughter wants to do this, and so to take it from her is is. I think it's kind of sucks because she's worried about you, and now suddenly she can't see it. So it's not like she's going to let it go. She's going to call you anyway. So you, I don't. I know what you're trying to do, and I appreciate it. Like not to be a burden. Like that's the vibe, right? You don't want to be. No, a no, 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 no. You just don't want I to mean, bother. No. This is the thing. If if she if she caught if she ever asked me anything about my diabetes, mm-hmm. not anything, but you know, if she ever asked me how I'm doing or 
you know, how's it going? Or, or if I caught, if she called me and if she didn't tell me that she didn't like the alarms going off in the middle of the night, it might be a different story, but she's told me, I don't like those alarms going off in the middle of the night. (laughs) Oh, I see. (laughs) She's not as altruistic as I was thinking. I gotcha. Yeah. Oh, all right. You know, it was my idea to have her follow me. Oh, 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 oh. you're like, listen, maybe you could save my life. And she's like, not if it's going to wake me up. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, she's gotten everything she needs out of you, I guess, by now, huh? Well, this is a fine how do you do. You know, you probably got... She probably got that out of me too, though. <laughs> <laughs> Raise this kid, and now she doesn't want to help save your life at the end. God damn it! Um, well, that's something. Well, well, how do you find day to day management? I mean, I guess that's not my first question. Let my first question be: um, how do you, how do you find a podcast when you're in your seventies? Some I I was in the mastering diabetes program, and I love that. And that might be another conversation, but. Um, there was a girl in there that I was texting back and forth and we were talking about insulin and trying to get, you know, less rise in our insulin, mm-hmm. you know, and, or in our blood, blood sugar levels. And she, she recommended I listen to you. Well, your name, you know, your podcast had popped up several times before, but I thought this is for kids. I don't, I don't really want, I'm not a kid. I don't really want to talk about kids anymore. You know, whatever. Um, Although I, I have to say, I enjoy your interviews with the kids as one of the, one of the best ones that I like. But anyway, so when she sent that to me, I listened to it. And my original thinking was, this is, this is, this is, this is a guy. This is a real guy. He's spontaneous. He's casual he t- he's goofy sometimes he's anyway i felt like you know when you just kind of sit you're you're finally home mm-hmm. i felt like i was home oh that's really lovely thank you you're catching me yeah. on the you're catching me a day after so many people sent me well wishes for my birthday that any Aww. any nice thing you say to me nancy right now could make me cry so please be gentle okay Aww. um that was okay. really nice of you All to right. say thank you um, but I want you, you know, I want you to know that, and I, and I thought, you know, I think I sent maybe even after the very first time I heard you, I might, that might've been when I sent the very first email because I thought, you know what, I bet there's not that many people that are my age that just got diagnosed and are having to deal with it. Yeah. No, it's, it's not completely uncommon, but it's fairly uncommon. Um, I've yeah. interviewed, you're, you're a part of a handful of people over 60, I think that I've, that I've spoken to who's, who's been diagnosed with type one. Um, but that, I mean, you just had a confluence of bad health events at the end. I bet you without the cancer, you might've made it without the diabetes, huh? Yeah. You feel like I, I think so. Yeah. Um, uh, trying to decide what my question is. So you find the podcast and it all makes sense to you. And you start doing it, like how? How yes. do you how do you manage right now? I, well, I'm on MDI, but I have a pump. It's I'm going to get trained on it in a couple of weeks, and that's okay. another chaos. But anyway, <laughs> are you worried about it, or it's just hard to get it set up? I don't know if it's going to be hard to get set up. I, you know, 
because I haven't been trained on it yet. But okay. I think the thing I'll tell you why I've I've wanted a pump for quite some time. Um, mastering diabetes really emphasizes MDI because they think you have more control for the for the way that you eat when you eat. It's whole food, plant based, low fat. You get very insulin sensitive, and so. <clears throat> So anyway, I'm very insulin sensitive. Mm -hmm. So when I was tr I was on Traceba and trying to get it to stay be keep me stable, mm -hmm. but I could tell when it I called it kick in. I could tell when it kicks in because then I would I would drop, and I could tell when it's wearing off because then I could I was rising. So, um, I you know I kept thinking I would like to get a pump, but then it kind of freaked me out because I know it's going to be probably two weeks at least of not knowing if things are working or not. And you know, while I'm saying this, I want to. There's one thing you said that that really stuck out to me in one of the early podcasts that I listened to, and I think this applies to a lot of things that I do. But it said within you know with insulin, what you said was something to the effect that. If things aren't working the way you think they should, then there's something else going on. Yeah, I understand. So I, the way I feel about it is that once you have your settings right, you know what you're doing. If something randomly, the way I think of it is if, if the insulin doesn't do what I expect it to do, I don't think that there's like a magic fairy that's come in and messed up my diabetes like situation with my daughter. I think something's wrong. Like this, Something's it, wrong. Yeah, this didn't yeah. do what it was supposed to do. I miscounted carbs. I didn't in uh, take into account fat and protein the way I should have. This site's old. Um, like that's the stuff you start like, like I roll through in my head very quickly. And it's most of the time, right. I have to say for me, most of the time, it's just not covering the food correctly. Um, yeah. When something well, wrong. I, w I flew to Miami. And when I got there, my ins the insulin wasn't working. It didn't seem like it was working. And I, you know, and my doctor had told me, Nancy, if it doesn't seem like it's working, just give yourself more. So I had those two things. You know, you said that you said that if something, if it doesn't seem like it's working, it's probably not you. It's probably something else, you know. And she said, just use more. So I kept using more and more and more. And finally, stupid that I was, I primed my pen and there was nothing came out. So you were just shooting <laughs> I <primed> air. <laughs> yeah, I was shooting air in myself. Right. And I was like, oh, so I think I primed it about, you know, six or seven times. And finally, I did eight units. And finally, I got a trickle. So so then after that, I was fine. It's so incredibly so, I mean, strange was, you brought that up because yes. tomorrow there's a variables episode going up uh, with Jenny and I about travel. And she brings that up about how to prime things when you're going on off airplanes. That's yeah. so crazy. Well, see, that and then that, that kind of opened my mind up to, uh-oh, a pump. I know that's going to happen with me. There's going to be air in there and I'm going to think I'm giving, getting insulin. So I'm just, I'm preparing myself for all the. Well, All the things that could go wrong. I guess it depends on which pump you end up with, too. Because if you have tubing, then that's more of an issue. Omnipod, you won't see that problem with the same way. Right. Yeah. I, You know, when I first listened to you, I, I tried to get Omnipod, but Medicare wouldn't cover it the way that they cover the T-Slim. Really? Um, with my insurance. 
because oh, okay. I, I don't have a, a, you know, a really good prescription plan. And at the time, you know, they, which was about a year and a half ago or so at the time they were a prescription, you know, you got it in your pharmacy, mm-hmm. whereas the T slim is DME Turbo medical, Turbo yeah. medical equipment and the insulin is included. So, and that goes through the DME. So I'm on Medicare part B. Well, you, you'll just so. have to remember to prime your tubing when you get on off a plane and do the things. Jenny it describes it all really well in that it's like a really short episode, but she does such a good job with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll listen to it. Yeah. Thank, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm so thrilled that you love the show. It's, um, it just, it tickles me that we're, that the show reaches people in all kind of scales of, of, you know, spots in life. And I, I, I also enjoyed when you said that you thought originally it was for children. And I've always maintained that the podcast is for anybody who uses insulin. It doesn't matter how old you are. Um, Mm -hmm. was it the name that made it feel young or was it that I was the father of a child with diabetes with part through you? I I didn't even know who you were. And I mean, I, I should, cause I said before that I knew who you were, but I didn't, I, what I knew was that I'd seen juice box come up, you know, on the little, I don't know what it looks like. Cause I, but it looks like a little cartoon kind of thing or kid. No, it used to be a a picture of my daughter when she was young on the thing. And now it's just a logo. So it looked like, so there was a kid. So you thought kid, whatever, whatever it was. Yeah. I just thought, well, you know, and it was juice box and I thought I've never had a juice box. So, (laughs) you know, that I didn't fit in that category, (laughs) but now Nancy, you know, I'm amazing and you should have started listening right away when you saw it. Is that right? I know. I know. I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah. No. And I mean, if I could make you cry, I hope I do, because I think that you, you, the, the other thing that I see in you is that you just, the best episodes are when you're just you, you know, you, you have a real, you're really interested in people. You're really not critical at all. You're not judgmental. You really want to help you. You really, you're very supportive. You know, you, I go, I can, I, I get it if you get pissed a little bit and you try to contain it, mm-hmm. you know, but I just, I, and I think a lot of people can identify with that. And I think that's just something that you have tapped into, mm-hmm. you know, you figured it out and a lot of people don't ever figure that out. I very desperately for reasons that I don't completely understand want people to be okay. I feel very responsible for things that I'm not responsible for sometimes, Um, you know, so you make this thing and you put it out into the world and it finds somebody and then it proves out. And then somehow that makes it feel like my responsibility to find more people. And I I know it's not, and I'm not tortured by it. I'm just driven by it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think you are such a great example at your age to find a thing that really, I mean, it's a podcast. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be for you. You, you know what I mean? Like, like common mm-hmm. sense would tell you, like, I'm probably not talking to a lot of people in their seventies, but then here it is and it works and it works for you too. Mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. and that makes me happy and uh, it's fulfilling. 
and then I ha- I can enjoy that for a split second before it makes me feel like, well, then aren't there more people I should be finding with the podcast? Wow. You know, you know when I when I recommend your podcast, the the phrase I use the most is he'll help, you know, if you listen, you'll learn how to use in- insulin. Okay. You know, so and a lot of times I'll, you know, there'll be a certain like there was a, a researcher that you had on that with some kind of uh, treatment for diabetes. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I should contact him to find out if he knows about this genetic predisposition or whatever. But, you know, certain, certain podcasts will just ring a bell for someone, you know, sometimes it's my sister who doesn't have diabetes, but that I think that she might be interested. I think you did a nurse, you interviewed a nurse one time and, and how she was shocked that what she knew about diabetes wasn't enough to help you know for her to Jen was it Utah Jen was that I remember Utah Jen yeah yeah was she a nurse I didn't she was yeah yeah. I put up an episode today I have to tell you is probably the proudest I've been of the podcast in a while it's with an endocrinologist who if you really stop and listen to her whole conversation the podcast changed the way she helps people and um Mm -hmm. as she's describing um becoming educated and being enthusiastic and then kind of settling into the way things work. And uh, I forget the exact phrase. I don't want to put words in her mouth, but um, maybe not doing as well for her patients as she could have. And then finding the podcast and being revitalized by it. That's the most proud I've felt in a while when I was talking to somebody. So, yeah, you know, you know what? I mean, one of the things that I look, look at sometimes is I'm 75 can I start another career at this age? I mean, I did at 57, Mm -hmm. but can I do it at 75? Because what I've learned about diabetes and, and even the way that I eat has been so helpful that I would love to be able, and I'm a social worker, Mm -hmm. you know, so I like to help people, Yeah, (laughs) you know, but I mean, this is such a, such a helpful, helpful thing for people to understand because I think once they, once they, once they really understand that they have more control over their life than they think they do, they don't have to just give into it like a deep well, you know, just keep going deeper and deeper for some people, you know, and I know all people aren't like that, but for some people it would make a huge difference. And I'm sure it does make a huge difference. Yeah. It's, um, I think it's lovely. And and I, I've known a lot of people over the years who have tried to help other people and it's, always valuable and always, uh, selfless, um, hopefully, and they do a great job in their own way. It's when it scales up that it becomes strange. Like when you start really reaching people, um, and it's a lot of people, you become very aware of the other stuff that you don't think exists. Like you have an interpretation of me and so does everyone else who's listening. And it's based on things that you probably think I'm doing on purpose. And many times it's, I'm not doing anything on purpose. Um, there are times when I, you know, I, I talked to a guy about, uh, he's an automotive engineer and we, if you listen to it, you could be confused to thinking that we talked about cars for a while, but I was talking about diabetes in my head. Like I was talking about, staying uh, abreast of new technology, keeping up, 
not falling behind. And to me, I mean, I didn't, did I do it on purpose? I, I did a little, you know what I mean? Like, but it wasn't some Machiavellian thing where I thought I'll have this guy on. It just, it's the way the conversation went. Uh, and we got towards the end of it. And he said something like, well, to bring it back to diabetes. And I laughed and I was like, no, this whole thing's been about diabetes. I've been talking about diabetes the whole time. And he's like, oh mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm like, so there, there's little stuff like that. You know, once you realize mm-hmm. you're talking to a large group of people and that nobody's going to feel the same way. Like there are things no. about me that you like that other people hate and probably vice versa. Um, uh, you know. Can I, can I say something about Please? that? There are things about you that I don't like, but because I, the core of you, I, I, I know what you're, I know what you're about. I know you're about helping people to manage their insulin. Yeah. I love that. I love that because that's what you, you know that, you know that you're about that. I have to say, Nancy, I think that when you're, when you're broadcasting to a lot of people, there's two decisions to make. You can either be yourself and know for certain that there are going to be some things about yourself that, that are going to rub people wrong, or you can sanitize yourself. And in my opinion, then just sound like you've, um, I don't know the best way to put it, but it, it's not real anymore. If you know I'm holding something back, then how could you possibly believe anything that I'm saying? If I if I started talking in a big fake voice and it all, you know, like that all was happening constantly. Um, even when I like when I make the beginning of the podcast, like when I'm like, welcome to the juice box, I'm kind of messing around, you know, like by doing a stupid voice for in my head, it's a stupid voice for a couple of seconds. If I had my way, the podcast would just start with people talking. Like it wouldn't even, you know, but I have to brand it. I have to say, this is the episode. I got to tell you who the sponsors are. Um, But if it was up to me, if I didn't have to have sponsors, this, you and I would have started talking. I would have hit record and that'd be the first thing you'd hear when you turned the episode on. I really don't want to shine things up too much um, because I know people who put out content like that. And frankly, I don't know how anyone listens to it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, so rather me curse once and that make you uncomfortable or I tell a sex joke or something and that makes you uncomfortable or something like that. But it's better than me swallowing my thought and you hearing through your headphones, he was going to say something and he didn't say it because then I think it sounds disingenuous. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. You have to hate me a little. Like I'm, you're a couple of generations ahead of me. I must do a number of things you don't like. And that's not why. No. Why? Tell me why. One of the things you really don't like about me. I'm going to start asking people what they don't like about me. It'll be more fun. Go ahead. Oh, my gosh. Can you think of something? Nothing pops in my head. Ah, See, you just don't want to say you love me, but you do. (laughs) No, I I want to say whatever it is because I I agree with you that I I think if we're as honest as we can be, then we're more more, uh, listenable. I, I received a letter one time from a woman who she she went on to tell me everything about me that she didn't like. And it um it felt a little disconnected. Like at some point, maybe she was yelling at somebody that wasn't me. Uh, but she said a couple of things in the letter. I was like, I think she's right about this. <laughs> so um, but I but I wouldn't just stop it. I just took it into account and I thought, OK, she might be right about this. Let me. Let me make sure. And now I have a way, like, for instance, she's like, you talk too much. And there's part of me that's like, well, it's a podcast. Like, if I don't talk, you know, like, she's like, well, let the guests talk. And I'm like, well, some guests are chattier than others. 
you, you know, like, do you want to be interested or do you want to sit and listen for someone to come up with a thought? Like, I, I have to make a decision. But what I do now is when I make the transcripts, the service I use tells me what percentage of time I spoke versus what percentage of time the, the guest speaks. And oh, I do let my eyes run over that number at the end when I'm done every time. And if I see it get farther than a 60-40 split, I start to like, like I pay attention to that in my head. But most of the time, I do not speak more than 10% more than the other person. So, you know what? I, I, what's my thought on that? I was going to say something about that. Oh, yeah. One of the things that I think is that you, we don't know which people are chatty and which people aren't because you're the one that's having to interview them. Right. You know, you're the one that's having to talk to them. So you're the one that's kind of sit there. Oh, oh do I have to now? Are they going to say something if I wait a little bit longer or, you know, so you're the one that has to make that decision. Whereas all we have to do is just sit and listen to you. I guarantee you that I can think of three episodes right now that if I did not spice up and get talking, you would have considered jumping out of a window while you were listening to it. <laughs> They're like, I can't take this. Um, but they were still good interviews. Those people just didn't have as much to offer uh, in 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 volume. They still had good content. It just they didn't they weren't voluminous with their content. And but I'll tell you another thing that the the podcast taught me was just to slow down. I mean, I think if you go back, mm. I'm speaking more quickly in older episodes. I had a real desire to not let there be any pauses. I wanted to, I wanted it to be, you know, I didn't want you to lose interest. Um, so mm -hmm. I think that's helping me too. And I, I genuinely believe if I'm doing this two years from now, I should be better at it two years from now than I am now. And I think I'm doing pretty well now. So we'll see. I think you're doing well. You know you're doing well. But I, I think that sometimes, not often. I haven't seen this very often, but there are sometimes you get someone on there that talks so fast. Uh, it's probably nerves, but they talk so fast mm -hmm. that it's, you know, that it's kind of hard to keep up sometimes yeah. and they'll kind of curl over their tongue, you know, roll over their, it's probably nerve, you know, nerves. And that probably just happens in the beginning, but cause I've heard you say many times that you talk fast or the East coast talks fast and, you know, I'm California. So you know, I don't talk fast, I guess. <laughs> well, there are some people I've that, that your pauses are so long, some of you. I can just, I can hear my brain is yelling at me. It's like, oh my God, say something, say something. I've taken pauses. I did it once for this one guy. I loved his content, but he spoke so slowly. So I spent like an extra hour and I took all the, I took the gaps out of his, of his pauses and that's not easy to do in a, like, trust me, it's, it's not easy. So like, I just was like, I, I, I like what he's saying. I want people to hear it, but man, if he pauses like that again, I'm going to like lose my <laughs> mind, you know? <laughs> so, and I, and I try to think of what it's like for you guys to listen. I also am a fan of audio and I know what I like to listen to. And if it, if this podcast gets too far away from something I would listen to, then I wouldn't even know how to give it to you. I wouldn't feel comfortable putting it out. So mm -hmm. um, I think that it. the format of it is so is cool because it's not, you know, whatever you're talking about, it seems like there's always, and I used to say this, I probably would still say it. There's always at least one takeaway. Oh, pre-bolus a little bit sooner yeah. or, you know, whatever it might be, there's always some, you know, some little takeaway that makes it 
worth listening to. And it becomes, I think it, and you, and you say this too, it kind of grows in you. And then all of a sudden you realize, Oh, wow. Yeah. I wonder how, how did that, how did I learn all this? How did I get, yeah. How did I get to where I am? You know, same way my kids yell at their yell about their math teacher at the beginning of the year. This lady doesn't know what she's talking about. She sucks. And at the end of the year, they have good grades and they understand the math. I don't know how it happens, but it does. Um, I'll tell you that part of that for me, I won't say the name of it, obviously, but there's a website that has rock solid information about type one diabetes. And I don't read, I don't read it all if I'm being honest, but I don't read it, but I know it exists and I've seen it enough times and I know the person who runs the site. And if you back in the day would have said, whose stuff is more popular, Scott's or this site, you would have just assumed that site is very professionally done. It's well supported with money. Like it's done really well. But that person came to me and said, how do you get so many people to read your blog? And I thought, wait, they don't read yours. And then we dug into it and wow, nobody reads that site. And I'm like, but that doesn't Mm. make sense. It's full of really great information. So then I started paying attention to the site for a little while and they were putting out great stuff. Um, But nobody cares. Nobody's going to read your boring descriptions of whatever. It's, it's not, people have a finite amount of time to live and they're, and even if it's their, to their benefit, they're going to have a hard time absorbing stuff that's so dry and it's boring, you know? So Mm -hmm. if you get to listen, if somebody gets to listen to you and I talk for an hour and they take something from it, that's terrific. But if you and I had five points to make and I went through them like a school marm and you answered like you were reading from bullet points, I guarantee you no one's listening to this podcast. And so I'm not going to do that. Like off the top of my head, you're diagnosed in your seventies. That's on. That's weird. You had cancer first, <laughs> right? Weird. Right. You had cancer. Yeah. That's amazing. You're doing well. You learned about your family members who have cancer. You know, you have parents who are older. Uh, you found a podcast that that helped you. You've you've looked around. You're worried about yourself and looking into it, but you're not overwhelming yourself with what ifs and whys. You talked about not looking backwards, even though you don't think you said that. You talked about staying forward, moving forward. And you're going to make someone comfortable. Somebody's going to have gotten this. Also, you said something that I'm always thinking and never say. The episodes with little kids are good and they're worth listening to, except, you know, those are the ones that don't get listened to as much. But I still put them out because I know they're important. And I think people are going to figure out that they're important to listen to an 11 year old's opinion of what it's like to have diabetes and not you just infer what you think it's like for him to have diabetes on to him. You know, you know what shocks me about those interviews is the age of the kids and how kind of mature they are. You know, the understanding that they have about things. And I'm like, there's no way I was like that at that age. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I'd have had diabetes early if it would have made a difference because I've heard from some of them, and I think you've even asked that question sometimes. Do you think that I, diabetes has, you know? change the way that you look at things. And yeah, I don't know if they're even old enough to understand that it does, but no one knows yeah, what impacts them. It, but that's why you yeah. ask the questions to hear them think about it. Like that's, they're not going to anybody who thinks that you can just say today's episode is going to be about X, Y, and Z, and that that's going to be interesting is wrong. Anyone who thinks that when you ask someone a question, they know the answer you're wrong. I've asked a lot of people, a lot of questions 
And the people who know the answer in a split second suck. It's boring and it's and it's and it's it's pre-rehearsed. They've answered the question a thousand times. I get nothing out of hearing from that person. It's not it's it's not valuable. That's just it's some, not real. No, it's somebody reading their life out loud, and they for some reason are in a position where they have to say that a lot. I want to hear you just dig into your brain for a second, or or to come out of nowhere and say, you know what, I'm losing sometimes common sense. Like that's not a thing people would admit to, you know. And you have to have a conversation like this if you want to get to those things. And for people who understand that, they'll listen to these episodes. And for people who don't understand that, this isn't going to be for them. So that's cool, you know, but I can't make something that's for everybody. I got to make what I think is interesting and what I think is valuable. But I mean, I think the amount of people that you have following you and the amount of people that listen to the podcast and the amount of downloads is, to me, is an interesting reflection of how many people are really real or identify with realness or even common sense, like you said, you know, how many people, because you, you know, that, that isn't as, I don't know if it's not as common, but you know, I was a counselor. So I met, I talked to a lot of different people and it's shocking that you can trust your common sense. That's shocking. But I, you know, you talk about it all the time and I I think it's, it's life, you know, you just have to trust your gut and see what's happening. And, and, Listen, some of those people who try to put out content that's inauthentic, I mean, I don't know if they're inauthentic, but they might not know who they are enough to be authentic. And I've interviewed people before who don't know themselves. It's clear when you're talking to them. They they don't know how they feel. They don't know why they do things. And sometimes that's even interesting to listen to somebody not understand I, I, I'm probably forever going to use this in, as an example, but there's a young girl that came on to talk about psychedelic drugs and she wanted to talk, she wanted to tell people about how to use drugs safe, safely. And I was like, okay, come on and talk about that. And I, I mean, we talked for a while, you know, we were maybe most of the way through the episode. And I, I had the feeling like she mostly probably smoked pot and, and took mushrooms once in a while, like recreationally. And I said, so you don't really do any really hard drugs. And she goes, no. And there's a pause and she goes, well, cocaine. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> like, you know, but I didn't say what in the moment. In the moment, I just said, okay, this is how she feels. Let her say how she feels. And, you know, and, but in my mind, I was like, she doesn't think of cocaine as a hard drug. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> you, you know, like, and, and maybe, and, and then I started thinking like, is it? I mean, I've never done it, but. Is it not? Is it? Does she not know? It just brings up all these like these interesting questions that should make your brain think. Like, I think when you're done listening to the podcast, you should still be having a conversation with yourself when it's over or I didn't do a very good job. That's all. I'm not supposed to make everything right or answer everybody's questions or scold some girl for saying cocaine's not a hard drug. You know what I mean? Like, that's not my that's not my job. My job is to let her talk about it and let you hear it and. And see, I can't, I don't, how did this turn into therapy for me, Nancy? What's going on? (laughs) I don't know, but let let me say something on that because I, you brought up something that really had, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Um, Kind of on that about, you know, how our thinking kind of creates our reality and, you know, what, Mm -hmm. what really is reality and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, um, one of the things that I've been wondering about because of my age is, am I sick? You know, am I considered sick? 
I mean, if when I first got diabetes, I kept hearing, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. You know, you don't have to change your life, everything. Well, I tried that and I would have lows in the middle of a counseling session and I would have to eat or I'd have a high and have to inject insulin. And I, you know, and I thought, what does this mean? You can't, you know, you can do everything that you could do before. You right. know, so I saw it like very black and white, very like, okay. Yeah, yeah, very black and white. You yeah. know, that everything I was doing before, you know, the way I was eating, I could continue eating. I could have snacks. I could have the, I mean, I couldn't do any of that stuff if I wanted to have a good blood sugar, you know? <laughs> so I think, and I think that, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, when they say that, I think that's them going, I think that's them saying, you don't have to go home and pull the car into the garage and close the door and let it run. Like, don't worry, your life's going to be okay. You can do all the things. They don't say the rest of it. It's always the rest of the sentence they live out. You know, hey, you can do everything that you used to do with diabetes, except you better make sure your basal insulin's right and don't go bolus in a big meal before you go for a run. And but like, they don't say the. They never say the rest. They say the upbeat part. They say the easy right. part. They don't say the stuff you need to know. And right, and, and that's the fascinating thing. And that, you know, that was the shock. That was the, I think the shock with, because I had seen my son, but I never really got involved with his insulin or anything like that. So I saw my son and he just looked like he was doing the same thing he's always, he's always, he'd always done. Mm -hmm. But once we started talking, you know, when I was diagnosed, I mean, I have a CGM, he doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, um, he, you know, one time we went and, and, and another thing I'm going to tell you that you said, but you know, I went I looked at my blood sugar and it was like 150 or something. And and he went, yeah, I said, what's yours, Jeremy? He runs and takes his blood sugar. He goes, oh my gosh, I need insulin. It's 320. Oh I was like, gosh. oh my gosh. So every, you know, when I'm around him, he sees the benefit of having a, a CGM, mm -hmm. but he didn't, I don't think he was even aware of it before I told him. Do you think he'll get one? I think he will. Good. You know, I think he will. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to say about, about what we were talking about, how life, I don't remember. I don't want to make it up. Anyway. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is, um, <laughs> start, start talking about a t-shirt slogan you saw at one point. Well, this is the point where I ask you if we've talked about everything that you want to talk about. So, um, have we? I, I mean, I think so. I can't think of anything that... I told you how great you are and yeah, how much important. I love the podcast right, and I got talk, <laughs> talked about the common sense that you express and, you know, how I've shared that, you know, if you want to learn how to use insulin, listen to this podcast. And okay. I mean, those things were important to me so that, you know, oh, your picture is great. This, this is. Oh, the photo that's, good... that you're seeing on the Zoom. That's <laughs> yeah. from. um me that's me posing in front of Mount Rainier, except you can't see Mount Rainier anymore just because I was happy with how I looked in the photo. <laughs> I don't often take yeah. photos of myself where I'm like, huh, I don't look hideous. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, keep no, that one. that's a good, I feel like I'm really, you know, talking I can get to me? into you. I mean, yeah. Wow. Like I'm talking to you. I mean, I know I turned my video off for a minute and that was, but no, I, you know, we could probably talk all day if we wanted to, but well, I that's, think everything did. I'm glad. So, and I think you're right. I, I am. Um, I, I agree. We could keep talking. I'm going to go to uh, Home Depot with Arden now and pick out a new ceiling fan for her bedroom because hers oh, just nice. stopped working. 
And she very adamantly told me it needed to be replaced quickly. So I was like, oh, okay, we will. Uh, Arden's body doesn't regulate temperature as well as uh, any of us would like. So she needs to have a couple of implements around her to help her out. Um, Unfortunately, sometimes thyroid does that. Yeah, that's definitely part of that. And her medication's really dialed in. So it just, I just think it's going to be her, her cross the bear. Um, yeah. But actually, she's, uh, I just ordered today. I can tell you this because this won't go up forever. I just ordered a microphone stand today. I have her microphone. I've got the stand now, and she's on my schedule twice in the next couple of weeks. So we're going to record a bunch together, and I'm basically going to uh, interview her, and then we're going to trans kind of move into um, the stuff I want her to know when she goes to college mm-hmm. and um, and have those conversations. So mm-hmm. um, I, I've mm-hmm. been trying for years to get her to do this, and I think I have finally got her. Uh, I know she doesn't want to do it. But um, I don't know why. I don't know if she'll know why exactly. Um, but she needs the um, she needs hours, uh, community service hours for school. And oh. um, she asked her she asked her her guidance counselor if I did this, would this count as community service hours? So she's going to get hours for the time she's being um, interviewed. I'm going to show her how to edit the show, and so she's going to get a bunch of different stuff. Um, wow! But anyway. So that's that's hopefully it'll be a, of some service to people when they hear it. But yeah, I'm gonna. I'm out. sure, you know, because you talk about her all the time, and you know what you've learned. There's one other thing I wanted to say. Okay. One time you said something to the effect, uh, I don't know, you were talking about something and interviewing someone, and maybe you were talking about, well, you know, when I first when Arden was first diagnosed. And I was frustrated, didn't know what was going on, took probably three or four years and, you know, gradually things started, you know, I started, I think it was your 500 series, you know, mm-hmm. it started knowing more and everything. And, you know, when I hear that, because I've only been diagnosed for a year and a half and I'll tell or almost two years, but I'll tell you when I was first diagnosed, I read so much. I learned so much. I, I thought, and when I heard the first time you say that, I thought, but I know a lot. I really know a lot, mm-hmm. you know? And then I, I thought, how much more can I know? I mean, I'm putting 24 seven into this diabetes, you know, and how to eat and how to manage insulin and, you know, what kind of insulin and all that kind of stuff. And when I hear you say that, that, you know, it could, you know, wait till you've been a diabetic for three years. And I go, what? Right. But, but it's, it's, it's very um, comforting because, now I'm going to get a pump. So I know it's going to change, you know, but Mm -hmm. it's very comforting to know that there's always more over 500. Yeah. I guess, you know, yeah, no, I definitely (laughs) thought, I definitely thought there'd be an end to it when I first started doing it, but I was just taking advice from someone that, um, it didn't end up being great advice. Uh, they said that you'll run out of stuff to talk about. And I should have known when they said it, like, I, I can't imagine me running out of things to talk about. But I I meant important things. I just think it's going to keep growing. I think, you know, algorithms mm-hmm. are going to come. And I mean, look at you, you're going to you're going to probably be using an algorithm soon, you know, mm-hmm. and that's really exciting. And I think if we really think of you specifically, you have this kind of like amount of time here to, and don't get me wrong, you're very like, you know, you again, you do not come off like you're 73 when I'm looking at you and I'm talking to you, but you have an amount of time to get really good at that. And then because there might be a day where you're a little slower and this thing's still going to work the same for you. 
And that'll mm-hmm. be amazing. You know, like mm-hmm. there won't be as many opportunities for things to go wrong. And I think that'll be a big deal for you, you know, in your life, just the way it is in anyone's, honestly. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm going to need to talk about that stuff. Yeah. And I, fortunately, I have a son that's diabetic, so he <laughs> understands. So I'd I'm not living with my daughter. I might be living with my son. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I hope he ends up with some some upgraded technology. I think that would be really great for him. And mm-hmm. I, uh, I want to thank you so much for doing this um, and My taking pleasure. the time out of your day to do this. It was, it was really fun. And I know you were excited to do it. I could tell by your notes. So um, yeah, I appreciate that very much. Okay. Well, wow. great talking with you. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. too. Hold on one second. Okay. Go, go what? Go get the fan. Yeah. I get the fan. Getting the fan is not the problem. It's that I got to put it up and I don't know the last time I did that. So now I got to remember how to put up a ceiling fan. Um, but no, I thank you. Hold on one second. A huge thanks to Nancy for coming on the show today and telling us all her story. And I'd like to thank the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter for being a longtime sponsor of the Juicebox podcast. Find out more and get started today at contournext.com forward slash juicebox. It's actually a really good website. I mean, as far as websites for medical stuff goes, it's it's very complete and informative. I'm, I mean that sincerely. I'm a fan of well-done websites. Contournext.com forward slash juicebox. See, I even said it again. Don't forget to head over to the T1D Exchange, t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Take the survey, help out people with diabetes and the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.